Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to uh, the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. Uh, I'm David. I'm a noob. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to watch more wrestling. I swear to God, get off my ass. I'm glad I'm glad you I'm glad you made me laugh because I was I did start that off a little somberly and it just felt kind of natural because today because today yeah. um, I you know I did have a, a plan for us to talk about you know go back to the night 1997 do do an episode of Raw there but uh, for those of for those our listeners who don't know which admittedly is probably like all of our listeners because we have a we have a pretty distinct non wrestling fan fan base I think yeah. is that is that um Brody Lee. Um, who is a wrestler for AEW and formerly of WWE, um, passed away over the weekend on December 26th. Um, he was only 41 years old. He was still an active wrestler. He had a match two months ago as, uh, that I watched on TV and we will watch to this. We will actually watch that match, not for morbid reasons, but also cause it was just a really good match, but yeah, he, um, yeah. Yeah, but he was a uh, but he passed away from a non-COVID related lung issue. Um, that is all we have know about it at this point, and that's all we need to know. And I'm sure our listeners wouldn't wouldn't be so crass as to as to claim that a that they might be lying that the family might be lying about that that it actually is COVID, but that they're hiding it out because that's definitely not something that a small percentage of the wrestling fandom right now is having to deal with. Certainly not. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, you said you 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 sent me you sent me screenshots of people being idiots about that, and yep. holy hell! Like, really is are we, like is the level of conspiracism in this damn country like? like that off the rails that like a freaking like wrestler can't die without it being a whole like a whole like disc like conspiracy posting yeah no it's 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 very shitty and and to be clear no um the fan like i'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about the whole i could go and do a whole rant about why it's dumb i'm not i don't want to use our podcast time for that but just to be clear, no, um, it was not COVID. No. <clears throat> but anyway, so I no. guess I'm going to spend. So what we're going to do tonight, instead of um, instead of covering one in particular episode, I want I, I originally wanted to do that. But uh, part of part of the problem of Brody Lee is that is that there's not between WWE and AEW, there's not really a good episode that I think that could completely just encapsulate him and his work. And that's part of the issue. I think is that he, he was, he was arguably never given the spotlight. He, the biggest spotlight he deserved, at least in my view. And so what we're instead going to do, instead of covering one episode, we're going to kind of do a, a bit of a retrospective on his whole career in at least WWE and AEW. He joined WWE in, uh, tw- I think he late 2012, early 2013. And then obviously he signed, he signed with yeah. AEW and, and, uh, the, basically at the, he debuted in AEW, the very first pandemic episode of AEW. Uh, so late March, 2020. Oh, so, and so, yeah, and so that's we're going to talk about him tonight because, um, and, and I'm not going to make this a whole lot about me, but I, I will say that for me, the whole my feelings on it have been kind of it's been kind of hard to kind of go through my feelings on it, and it feels so weird because like 
in the wrestling industry, early death, tragically early deaths is a, is just a fact of reality for historically of the wrestling industry. Pretty much any wrestling fan who has been watching for a long enough period of time has had to experience this kind of thing. But this is the first time I can think of, of a major wrestler who like passed away since I've been watching who passed away while still being an active wrestler, you know? And so for me, that's kind of, it's hard to like, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around and it, it's been kind of tough. <clears throat> but Brody Lee is an absolutely incredible wrestler. <clears throat> um, he, he was. He was a be- even better human. And I, and I think I'll highlight some of that um, as we go along. But we're here to mainly analyze wrestling. So wrestling I shall analyze. Um, he... Mm-hmm. He was, he's, he's, uh, first of all, he's, he's one of the most kind of, he was one of the most like athletically gifted dudes for the guy, his size I've ever seen. Like the dude is like six, five, like 300 pounds. Dude is massive, but he can move as, as gracefully and at an agile and as agile as anybody in the ring. And he also is one of the most kind of, I think, underrated for his time, mainly because of how it came off in WWE in terms of as a care as kind of a character worker. Um, so I guess I'll go ahead and start with um, and use segue this into like talking about like what his career trajectory was and kind of use that to explain what we're going to watch tonight is that he debuted in WWE as part mm. of the Wyatt family, which was we've talked about Bray Wyatt a few times on this podcast because I love the guy. And Bray Bray Wyatt started with a swamp cult with a backwoods, you know, creepy hillbilly swamp cult. And Luke Harper was one of his, his follower, one of his followers, his fireflies as Bray Wyatt would call them, um, him and a wrestler by the name of Eric Rowan. And they were both these two big hulking dudes. And it had this very cool visual of like Bray Wyatt, who's kind of average size. I mean, he's, he's probably a, about my size, if a little bit bigger, and then he's got these two massive. He's, he's thick, but he's not over. like he's not like a giant. Yeah, he's he's not a giant at all. And but then you've got you know Eric Rowan and Luke Harper towering over him as these kind of like brainwashed you know followers of of Bray Wyatt. And Luke Harper in particular, I always felt was incredibly good at kind of playing off this character because he very, he didn't say very many words. Um, he, he, in his time in WWE was not given a lot of opportunity to, to cut promos and speak lines, but his ability to like per, convey his, his character across his body language and his facial expressions is kind of second to none. I think during his time in WWE, he would have this like blatant, this blank eyed stare is all in the eyes, man. Like you, like you'd think that this dude is like, not, he's kind of crazy. He's not all there because he's just been like brain. He's these he's a devoted follower of Bray Wyatt through and through. There's no, you can't reason with him. And him and him and Rowan had a lot of success as a tag team together with the Wyatt family. You know, they they won the tag team championships while they were a brief time on NXT when that was a kind of the developmental kind of show. And then once they came up to the main roster, they ha- they were put on bangers. And they and they have a lot of like if I if 
we wouldn't ha- we wouldn't have time on this podcast to kind of cover every great match that Eric Rowan and Luke Harper had together as a tag team, even during the period when they were with the Wyatt family. So the kind of match that we're going to cover is there is a three on three tag match between the Wyatt family and the Shield. <clears throat> I've talked about. Oh. I've talked about my love for the shield many times on this podcast. And we've kind of just coincidentally not had done an episode that really does them like justice. Um, but <laughs> in 2013, it was kind of, it was almost like a dream match. If you could call it that between to see the shield and the Wyatt family kind of come together. Cause there was a lot of interesting parallels to them is despite having vastly different characters, they both debut in a similar time period. They both are come up from the NXT system and there are these both three man units and they were both putting on incredible matches and having and being credible characters for a whole year for like a year. And is everyone, everyone just kind of like wants to see those kind of those two kind of come together and collide. And they do end up having a bit of a mini feud that kind of exists as a filler feud. And because at the, at the time of when this episode aired, um, Bray Wyatt was had on a collision course with John Cena at WrestleMania a couple months later. So it's not like, so it wasn't this like deep feud, but it was, it was very much there to kind of like give them both something very interesting and fun to do before Bray Wyatt goes in head first with John Cena. Was this after, um, why or the, the shield played stooge for CM Punk? Yes, the Shield debuted for as Stooge for CM Punk, and by uh, basically January 2013 is when that when basically when Punk lost the WWE title, they kind of dropped that aspect of the care of their characters. And this match takes place in February 2014. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. And it is an absolutely incredible match. Uh, it's like. It's the longest match that we're watching at, a, at just over 30 minutes, but it is action-packed and exciting the whole way through. I'm very excited to get to watch it again. And so I don't remember the exact... I'm trying to remember the exact time frame for when Eric Rowan and Luke Harper first kind of drifted away from Bray Wyatt. And part of the problem with that is that if you look at Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, and Bray Wyatt, their careers together, there's there's a lot. There was a lot of WWE doesn't quite know what to do with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, so just put them back together with Bray Wyatt. Or if they're split as a tag team, put them back together as a tag team. And they always do a lot of good work together. And if you if I wanted to you know overanalyze something they were not intentionally doing, there's an interesting story you could tell of these two people, of these two victims of a cult being unable to ever move mentally move past being in the cult. Like they try and yeah. they just keep drifting back in over and over again, but they never intentionally played that story. So I don't think it's totally fair to attribute that kind of, you know, characterization. No, I, I mean, uh, yeah, no, they, they don't, they, I, I, I'm not sure knowing the WWE. 
a nice it's a nice little bit of accidental symbolism. Yeah, I agree. Like it's, it's kind of it's a fun fan headcanon. But it's it, it's just that. It's fan headcanon. And but Luke Harper did have a bit of a single. Yeah, but I mean but I mean I mean that there there comes a point where like where that's all that matters really. And I mean, plus if they, if they work together well in ring and the fans can kind of have their own little like own little oh well, you know, in our minds, this is why it's not like mm -hmm. it's it's not like that's any less real than than the scripted stuff that's out there in front of them. So why not? Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. But, you know, Luke Harper did have a bit of a singles run in uh, 2015, early 2016 that was actually really good. And we're not doing any matches on that one just because there is one storyline of his that I want to touch on that I kind of had to sacrifice for this one, but I will say that like, and at the end of this, I'm going to recommend some matches of that. We don't talk about for the, at the end. And we're definitely going to talk about some of the matches he had when he was on a singles run in WWE. Never, he was never given much to do storyline wise, but the matches were incredible. So kind of Luke Harper's almost shining moment as a single star. I think anyway, uh, in terms of story in WWE is in late 2016 where the Wyatt family is back together, but now with a new member, Randy Orton, the Viper and David, oh. David has a little, should have a little experience of with Randy Orton. He, he, he watched raw this week uh -huh. and he's oh, basically, I, at least I started. So I actually need to go back to the VR, but yeah. You should definitely watch the end of Raw this week. But I know. No, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. But, you know, Randy Orton's always kind of at his best anyway. He's always had this character who's kind of, who is a the Viper, a snake, who cannot really be trusted and is kind of this violent sociopath who could turn on you at the drop of a hat. And that's kind of what he's playing here in that you know, he joins up with the Wyatt family and is seemingly subservient to them. And Bray Wyatt is all in on it. He thinks he's got this hook line. And he thinks he's got this hook line and sinker. I have got Randy Orton. And one of the most, and kind of a beautiful subtext to this whole feud is how Luke Harper definitely doesn't think that he's got this. Like from the beginning, almost from the beginning, Luke Harper, even though that he doesn't talk, he's just just using body language and his own facial expressions is extremely untrustworthy of Randy Orton. Like he very blatantly doesn't really trust Randy and is kind of expecting Br him to turn on Bray. And he's kind of almost pleading with Bray Wyatt in his body to, to, to see it, like see what I'm seeing here that Bray Randy Orton is not on your side. Spoiler warning. Yeah. Randy Orton was not on Bray Wyatt's side. Uh, what and, in, and in fact Randy, Randy Orton burned burned down Bray Wyatt's compound in fact that's how much he wasn't on his side <laughs> that's how he turned on Bray Wyatt Whoa. was he burned down Wyatt's house <laughs> nice nice and Randy Orton of course is kind of I mean, I mean uh, Randy, Randy Orton Randy Orton, uh, Randy Orton I, I'm noticing I'm starting to sense a pattern Yes, he does like of, uh, of burning things in he relation to Bray Wyatt. He does. That does seem to be a theme. 
And so the match, <laughs> the match we're going to watch is from uh, February 2017, where you know, Luke Harper steps up to have a singles match with Randy Orton uh, in the lead up to Randy Orton wanting a piece of Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania that year. And, you know, it's a really, and it's a really, really solid match. And again, this is kind of Luke Harper's maybe best storyline as a singles wrestler. And that's why I wanted to include this match. Even if I could think of better matches from this singles run that I might choose. No fair. Yeah. Unfortunately, because he isn't really the focus of the story after this singles match with Orton, he kind of like fades away into the background of the fades out of the story to, to be focused on Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. And see if I have my timeline right here. Um, I'll admit I'm kind of forgetting whether this is summer 2017 or summer 2018. I think it's 2017. Um, but basically this is the newest incarnate or our last match from his WWE tenure is going to be as part of the last re re uh, last incarnation of Luke Harper and Eric Rowan as a tag team. But now instead of being, you know, the swamp culty dudes, they're now the bludgeon brothers and they have these kind of goofy ass hammers <laughs> mallet thing they carry to the ring. It's, it's fun. It, it, but it is, but it is goofy as fuck. Uh, Nintendo, uh, guys, Nintendo's on the line. Uh, they're saying something about copyright. <laughs> Nintendo would like to know your location. And yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's the meme. I couldn't think of the pithy way to put it. Yeah. 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 And, but they have a fun little run as the Bludgeon Brothers, and I admit it's also it was also a bit more of an opportunity for Luke Harper to show that he can talk because to to kind of go back to the swamp cult problem, um, he didn't when he was in when he had that character of this kind of psycho hillbilly, he wasn't really allowed to ever cut promos. And if you hear him say, if you hear Brody say it, it was basically because. Vince McMahon hated that Brody Lee couldn't do a convincing like Southern Hick accent because Brody is from Rochester, New York. <laughs> well, uh, look, man, we all got we all got our we all got our challenges. Hey, lay, so, lay, lay off Vince. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so that's kind of why he never he never even though he was actually pretty good at it as we'll see in his AEW run he was kind of hamstrung in his ability to kind of convey a character through dialogue in the in his WWE run but the Bloodstone brothers did give him a little more freedom because now Vince didn't really care that he couldn't talk he didn't sound all southern because he's not part of the hillbilly yep. cult so the match we're going to watch is from WrestleMania. Oh, I, I know. I did remember. This is from 2018. This was this whole story took place in 2018 because it's from WrestleMania 34 in 2018, where they wrestled. Um, no, this is 2017. This is WrestleMania 33. Ugh, I should have looked. I should have looked into this deeper when I watched this. But basically, it's a triple threat tag match between the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, and the New Day for the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. That's 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 this match. And it's 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 probably the weakest match on this list. And I kind of only put it here because I wanted a match from when they were the Bludgeon Brothers. But it's still not terrible. And as all and and all three of those tag teams are really really good, so it's not like it's going to be like awful. It's just 
It's just not like, it's not something I would be like, if I'm listing Brody Lee's best matches, that one's definitely not going to be there. Yeah. And so he kind of floundered around. Brody Lee kind of after the Bludgeon Brothers had their run, he kind of floundered around and and he didn't really do a whole lot. And eventually he was let out of his contract in um, early this year, 2020. And he pretty much quick, he pretty quickly signed on to AEW and he became, and this is kind of the, one of the bigger, like in, like if we're going to talk about like tragic wrestling tragedies in terms of like con stuff that happens on the TV show, they had these big plans for, they had a show in Rochester, New York, and this was going to be the night that Brody Lee debuts in AEW. And pretty much everyone expected this to be like the biggest, like cheers that Brody Lee will, would, would, would see in his career at this point in time. And then the pandemic happened and the, and it, and the first Oh. And the first and the show that was going to be in Rochester was the very first show that AEW did after they shut everything down. No more crowds and were just taping oh. out of Jacksonville, Florida for the time being. And like, that's kind of like, oh. A, oh, I feel bad for the guy that like he was doing some of the best work of his career and he never got to do that in front of a crowd. Oh. That's so freaking sad. It 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 is, yeah. But his work was pretty great because he came in as the exalted one, the leader of the dark order. When we when we talked about AEW few episodes ago we, we that was kind of what the dark order was kind of in the middle of doing of being like the exalted one is coming and making all these like grandiose mm-hmm. threats. And this, this episode, the episode where he debuts is the reveal that Brody Lee is the one who is the leader of the dark order. And this is, and, the, and that kind of idea, like him, be, him going from being in a cult to kind of running a cult was, has been a hmm. creative idea that Brody Lee has said that he had for like pitched for years, but, but Vince McMahon wasn't, but WWE wasn't interested in it. So in AEW, he's like, Oh, he's finally getting to live out this storyline that he's had for forever. And Brody was kind of like the perfect final piece for the dark order because the dark order, you know, when they started in AEW, they were kind of floundering a bit and, and people weren't super into them. They were, yeah. it was, it was originally just evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And then a bunch of random nobodies in gimp masks that made a, that made a human <laughs> throne for Uno to sit on. It was, I was kind of always into it, but it wasn't that popular, but you know, they start, then they start kind of leaning into the sot to the like Scientology esque Scientology esque cult crap. And they were talking about, and they filmed these fake commercials where they're like, stop being a loser and become a winner. And that, and that 12 step program. Yeah. And that was, uh, and that was where Brody Lee came in and he kind of like was the, the peace, the resistance that brought it all together hmm. as he was the, the blatantly tyrannical rules with an iron fist cult leader 
who is who is blatantly abusive to all of his subordinates, but they're also kind of brainwashed into the cult, along with the help of people like Evil Uno, who kind of f- stepped into this role as like the nurturer within the organization. Yeah. You know, Brody would tear them down, and Uno would always be there to pick up the pieces and make them feel better after he after Brody left, and. But all the members of the cult just kind of took it because they were all they were all the way in. Yeah. And so I mean, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It was it was really it was really good stuff, and it's, and, and and you know he, he kind of immediate like whatever storylines they were going to do with them out the gate. Why don't we'll never know because the pandemic happened and suddenly their roster was very split across the country. Like where it's pretty, we're pretty much the only people they had available were the ones who lived close enough to Jacksonville, Florida to be able to bring them in to do stuff. Which is, Oh God, the, of, of it's just like the the perfect storm right of of mm-hmm. um of screwing so many people over and now here especially tragically with Brody now it's oh god damn mm-hmm. and i don't i don't think we're going to talk too much about the the you know the ethics of uh pan, of wrestling in a pandemic uh, for this particular episode but if, i'm sure we will eventually yeah, cover no, uh, <laughs> yeah but i'm sure eventually we will cover a pandemic era wrestling show and we can talk about it then yeah. So they kind of Joy. Quick, yeah, but so they kind of quickly throw together a a program between D between uh um uh, Brody Lee and John Moxley, who was the AEW champion, still the AEW champion, because they needed a big kind of storyline for the champ, because what they had already planned had to get scrapped, and Brody Lee was right there, right. and. And Moxley and yeah. Brody Lee have ha- have a long history together between their work on the independent wrestling circuit, and then you know in WWE, uh, Moxley was Dean Ambrose. So him and him and Luke Hart, then Luke Harper had a ton of matches with each other, and then now in AEW, they have a, a pay per view championship match that is absolutely incredible. Uh, would def- definitely uh, not to get ahead of ourselves with match recommendations, but I would definitely recommend looking up uh, Brody Lee versus John Moxley for the AEW title. So Moxley beats Brody Lee, and then so Brody Lee kind of transitions into a feud with. Cody Rhodes, uh, are one of our resident darlings around here. And Cody Rhodes, uh, in very the, after- true, very in, true. in the aftermath of his storyline where he's no longer allowed to challenge for the world championship, he quickly becomes a kind of a stalwart in the mid card title division, then known as the TNT champ, the TNT title. TNT championship, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what it sounds like it is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's branded by the, by their TV network. It's all fine. But Cody really had, but Cody did the very like working the, the will take all challengers, um, you know, kind of babyface champion shtick of had a weekly open challenge where like every single week he would have a championship match for the TNT title that anyone could challenge for. And, they use that gimmick to also okay. 
I'm, then, I, I kind of love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, when done really well, it's very fun. Like this story, or John Cena did this in 2015 with the U.S. champ with the United States Championship was amazing. It's like well, it's, like, it's like an invert. It almost feels like an inverse, like Money in the Bank sort of thing. Mm. Like, like just open an invitation. Anyone can come for the title whenever they want. Yeah. And it kind of, and they were doing, there was a lot of fun matches with that, but the kind of the story was that Cody was almost running himself ragged between um, doing these matches every single week, along with being an executive vice president of AEW. Until Big Brody Lee arrived and, and challenged for the title and he just demolished Cody and won the title with relative ease. And we're definitely watching that. And he was, Oh yes. Oh, I'm here for it. And so in August of this year, he became TNT champion. Um, one of the few singles titles he would ever, he would hold in his career, do you know, in the WWE AEW run. And so he was champion for about two months and he was just kind of this dominant heel champion until Cody Rhodes came back from, came back to challenge him for the title. And they had, and this, and this is the final match of, of Brody's career would be a dog collar match for the TNT title. Now, a dog collar match is one of those old school ass Southern wrestling violence fests where basically what they would do is they would take a dog collar and chain and a chain together two dog collars, you know, attach them to each wrestler's necks and then have at it. So the wrestlers are tied together with a, with a, with a, you know, with a, a collar and chains and all and everything's legal. So it's it's always been kind of this viscerally violent kind of affair. And this was no ex- and this one was no exception. <gasps> oh my god. I, I just I just I the the poor, just the poor Davey. wild things that mm-hmm. that that they can come up with uh for for fights. It's just, it sounds so silly, but I'm sure mm-hmm. in practice is, is really gripping. But oh my God, that's such a silly concept. I mean, yeah, if, when you say it out loud, it sounds goofy. <laughs> but, you know, when you, yeah. when, when you watch, and, and I'm sure David will agree, when you watch it, like it feels like this really violent, tense affair that just sounds silly when you say it out loud and explain what the rules are. <laughs> Oh my god! So like, obviously, so Cody beat uh beat Brody to win the title back, and then after that, um, Brody would kind of be taken off TV going forward, and and it was kind of a, a an inter- it was kind of weird in that way of like. Initially, nobody really said anything about it because the AEW kind of had established kind of a, a, a mini pattern where sometimes that like someone will lose their big blow off match to a feud and then they'll just disappear from TV for a few weeks. It's kind of a way to like kind of give them a chance to kind of like refresh, restart, you know, come up with some, have a folk focus on other guys instead of having this immediate expectation of like, okay, well, what's Brody Lee got to do next? Like it allows them to focus on other people mm-hmm. for a little bit before Brody comes back. It's also very much in this vein of like, you can't miss, you can't, um, or like 
the heart grows fond, absence makes the heart grow fonder, that kind of thing. So initially there wasn't really anything to it of, of when it was, it came out when like Brody wasn't around for a few weeks. And then, you know, you know, rumors kind of circulated about of at least that like he was injured, but, and, and there was more to it than that, but nobody was going to, nobody wanted to say anything. And I think that it is, is as much as it is technically the bare minimum to do, it's not, that's not always what happens. So I yeah. feel like I should give a little bit of, of kind of props to the wrestling journalism world that did not at all leak anything about what was happening with Brody Lee and his health until it, until uh, it was announced that he had passed away. Like nobody really knew anything. Nobody in the wrestling fandom knew anything about what was going on with Brody until they were announced that he was passed and his family was willing to explain a little more about what happened. And so I, I do have to give my props to like the, the, the wrestling, um, you know, journalism community, not being, you know, scumbags about it and, and talking about more than the family was mm-hmm. wanting to indulge. Yeah, no, uh, the the mm-hmm. self restraint on that is very is is um is very commendable in this mm-hmm. in this case I have to say. Yeah, because it's since come out that like he was like hospitalized from almost a like within a few weeks of his last match, and then he never really left the hospital. So yeah. there's a long period of time to know that something is more serious is going on, but they chose to not you know divulge that. And so, yeah, I kind of, I, I want, uh, we've got kind of through the, the career of, 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 uh, Brody Lee, at least in terms of his major time in WWE and AEW. Unfortunately, I'm not as familiar with his nine years of work on the independent circuit. I know some of his major feuds and where he worked. And I'll talk about that more when we get to, um, kind of late the match recommendations outside what we're talking about here. Um, but it's not something that I could comfortably talk about on the podcast and, you know, and ex- kind of talk about like what he did. And it was, I've, and as opposed to his time in WWE and AEW, which I have watched all, which I watched all of like as it happened. And so mm-hmm. what we have is about is I think five is five matches, two promos, and, um, if we have time for it, we, we're, we're kind of on a tight schedule a little bit this week in terms of recording stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm tentatively putting this here is there is they put in a, uh, mm. kind of, they, is that AEW did, um, a tribute video that dedicated to, um, his time on being the elite, which is AEW's, uh, YouTube comedy show, the wrestling diet, like vlog slash diary, like comedy show that they do on YouTube every oh, week. Man. And, and, and that was kind of where Brody Lee like shined the best as the, as the villainous leader of the dark, as the hard ass leader of the dark order, because every week the dark order would mm-hmm. do these, like goofball, hysterical comedy shit. And then Brody Lee would just run in here and be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you, you fucking idiots. Shut That's the so fuck up. Yeah, it was That's absolutely, so absolutely Hysterical, and they run through and this and the video while also having a lot of the members of the Dark Order talking about how much it meant to them to work with Brody. They also show a lot of like the Brody's funniest moments on BTE. And so, if we have time to talk, show that I would really like to show it. But 
that is a tentative for the time being. Nah. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I, if we, if we get the chance, I definitely want to check some of that out. Cause that mm-hmm. be awesome. It's, it's pretty funny shit. So the, yeah, that is kind of everything I wanted to talk about, uh, about Brody, um, in the, um, build up to this, uh, episode. So we are going to go ahead and, and start, uh, watching on and, uh, I will see you guys in the, uh, in the back half. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Uh, we are back. <clears throat> I just kind of accidentally started off the intro again, but it's fine. Yeah, we are back from what we are back from watching kind of a kind of a, a, a curated selection of Brody Lee slash Luke Harper um, matches and moments. I'm going to go ahead and open with the the name thing because I, I didn't realize that uh, I didn't really go explain. I might have just kind of just naturally kind of shifted around between names. And so David asked me this while we were watching yeah. it. But uh, yeah, so the thing is, is that um, Brody Lee is uh, is not his real name. His uh, his real name is John Huber, just for, you know, sake, sake of letting us know that. <clears throat> But, you know, he's never, like all wrestlers, he kind of professionally and like in a public sense goes by whatever his wrestling name is. So that's how I know him as a fan. But yeah, Brody Lee was his, mm-hmm. was his name when he was on the indie wrestling scene. Um, he, call, he picked that name because um, he picked it from the character Brody Bruce from Clerks, who is, uh, who is played by Jason Lee. And I think the story goes is that before he grew his massive beard, he kind of had a passing similarity to the, to Brody Bruce. And that's why he went with that name in particular, but that's where that name comes from. And then, you know, when he, yeah, when he went to WWE, you know, WWE likes to have a copyrightable like name for wrestlers that they own, that only they own. And, it would. It was. It was. He eventually WWE would start um, allowing people to keep their indie names when they were a little more focused on trying to get that kind of like indie wrestling fan cred to like, like when they sign these big time indie wrestlers, keep the name that their fan base is already familiar with. But at yeah. But at, but at this time, but when Brody signed in 2012, 2013, that wasn't really how it worked. So they changed his name to Luke Harper. And then that's what he was for the entirety of his time in WWE. And then when he left and went to AEW, he went back to going by Brody Lee. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So there, so so there is like pre-established like name recognition for that name. Like it's not just random that they're trotting out the artist formerly known as Luke Harper, now known as Brody Lee, being the exalted one and. Like everyone's like, why the hell is his name different? Why is he the same guy? Yeah, no, Brody Brody Lee is from his uh, is from his uh, days when he was an indie wrestler. He just kind of went back to going by that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, I, I mean, I it is it is kind of cool that like he uh, he was allowed this kind of very um, mm-hmm. um, very concentrated uh, kind of character flow between his indie days to like when he went to AEW everything like like that whole that whole process was all interconnected which is kind of nice yeah i don't know how how common that is for wrestlers to kind of like go from indie to professional to another professional company but the fact that he got to do that was really cool mm-hmm. yeah uh AEW hasn't hasn't really um done a whole lot in terms of like trying to like create names for wrestlers at this point as opposed to like bringing them in under the name they already wrestle under really the only major exception to this would be Eva Luno 
because and that's really because like his name was I, I believe I explained this um I'm sure I explained this before at some point, but like evil Uno's name is the way mm-hmm. it is, is because he, on the indie scene, he was in he, him and Stu Grayson were the super smash brother, super smash bros. And he was player Uno. <laughs> and, obvi- and obviously that's not going to fly. <laughs> yeah. So when they were like, so when they came up with the so, idea, uh, so when they were like, all right, you're going to do this cult thing. And I don't, and I admit, I don't know whose idea it was who came up with that in particular, but when they, when they decided that was the direction they were going with Uno and Grace and they're like, okay, your name will just be evil. Uno <laughs> that works. <clears throat> yeah, no, um, it, it, it felt, it felt, it, it was really cool. Cause it felt like, um, watching kind of in the, in the, 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 all mm. the AEW stuff, like, that company, I mean, the company clearly has a great amount of respect for every single person who wrestles for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like again, it, it takes it takes a special kind of eye for talent to take uh, to take Cody Rhodes, who like you know mm-hmm. when we saw him uh, in the Christmas special wasn't that good, and then and then elevate him to where he is today to be like this amazing like lead character superstar. And uh, uh, like, he, and he, he does he does have sp- better he does have better days in WWE than what we've seen. But yeah, I would also say that like his AEW sure. se- segment is kind of his is at least to me his, my favorite kind of version of Cody Rhodes. And I, and I think I think that respect helps to bring out like the best in in the wrestlers they bring on the company. I think that's why like I've found like what we've watched of AEW so strong. Um, but what's really cool is they seem to have a an a special uh, special reverence for Brody. Um, mm-hmm like bringing him on as the exalted one like this it's like i i know brody was like a decently well-known fighter for ww but it's not like he was like one of their like ticket selling names right he, like, he, he wasn't he, he and wasn't then, a, he wasn't those like he, he yeah it wasn't, he wasn't synonymous wasn't. with the company right no and i and i would and and we're and i'm not trying to make this a, a WWE bash fest but i think a, a common fan idea critique no. of the time of his time in WWE was like dude has potential to be doing so much more than he is in this company like he could have been a ticket selling guy but they didn't oh, yeah. he wasn't ever really given it and i think and i think we kind of i think we got a good idea of that you know from what we watched that he had a lot of potential that like he had a lot of potential to be a big star <laughs> anywhere he worked whether he was given oh he did i think not. the problem is that he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't fence he doesn't he didn't exactly fit like the vince mcmahon mold of like here's what my superstars tend to look like like my mm-hmm. big famous guys tend to look like mm-hmm. i think it was less i think it was probably it, it, it might have come down to like aesthetic as much um mm-hmm. um but that being said like um the, the they they clearly still gave him some decent booking uh, mm-hmm. with some of with some of the fights we saw him go in on uh and on top mm-hmm. of that um it then made it all the sweeter to then have aew like really recognize his star power uh, mm-hmm. and to see the 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 introductory promo he got to announce him as the exalted one uh it felt almost prescient to mm-hmm. to like uh with a forward eye to tributing this man um mm-hmm. uh as a as a superstar um <laughs> that that could more could have had even more if he had the time to, or, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever else. Yeah. And like, and, and it's, it's not to say that his WWE run, he was just doing nothing for six years. He, he had a lot of, oh, he, no, had, no, he had a no, lot of great opportunities. Great. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of great opportunities and a lot of great moments. It just, it just was sometimes like, uh, look at him, do more. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, but I mean, again, it was really cool to see that mm-hmm. that the stuff we did, the the stuff you curated for us to watch, was a really good showcase of what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from the get go, that Shield versus Wyatt match, I was watching uh, everything he fought in. He just, it just seemed like everything he did was effortless on his part. There mm-hmm. seemed to be no like exertion for some of the physical feats he pulled off. It just seemed. Like, it came naturally to him, and that was a really impressive thing to watch. And it was interesting for me, too, because uh, normally when I when I see rent, uh, wrestlers who present like that, um, it often feels like they're they're the type of wrestler who's there to, like, do the job and not play a role because they're just there to really focus on their athleticism and whatever. And, mm-hmm. while, and while Brody's never going super hard on, like, insanely, like, insanely, like, well-crafted facial expressions or anything like that, he still gave this vibe that he was so into the character that he was playing and mm-hmm. that his his intensity was just like hugely internalized and it was just always it was just always present around him mm-hmm. um he didn't he wasn't like going out there to to play like richard the 3rd but damn if he didn't feel in character still for every second he was out there and nah. that was really cool to watch and i, I feel like that was yeah, that was always one of his bet like when you look at like the wyatt family he was he, i think he was always the best at kind of playing the character that he had in terms if i want to talk about like commitment to the character almost like not that bray bray wyatt in comparison wasn't committed but he all but like bray wyatt had but like bray wyatt almost sometimes can't felt a little too cool for for the fact that he's supposed to be this like hillbilly cult leader bray like like Brody, uh, Brody Lee, uh, Luke Harper, all, always felt the most like, oh yeah, that guy's definitely in a hillbilly cult. If I, I'll put it like that. Like, well, like, oh. well, well, I think too, like, like Bray clearly had a had a bit of an easier uh, an easier job of it because mm-hmm. his character called for um, being the charismatic one, and that's clearly mm-hmm. something uh, you know Bray Wyatt has in spades. Whereas, um, whereas for Luke Harper, it was it was it, he was given. A effectively non-speaking role. Um, mm-hmm. His whole job was to create a character effectively out of nothing, aside from the fact that he where he's like from a swamp and he's in like a stained like wife beater. Um, mm-hmm. And he did he 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 did enough with that that it still came across really well. Of like this is an intense guy who's into some creepy shit. Don't don't get on his bad side. Don't fuck with him. <laughs> Yeah, all, all, all just from the way he like widens his eyes and just stares with this kind it's of. It's all like, about the eyes. That's David. all. That's all. That's all we need. And it was really effective. Yeah, no, I, I mean that was the thing they harped on a lot with him. Um, but it's, but it, it, it works. It, I can see why that was a motif throughout his career because he was, he was good at just using his eyes to like give this to give off just vibes. They weren't like it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like super duper involved, but it just gave you vibes and it worked. And I mm-hmm. and. I, I really appreciate about uh, the, uh, about I appreciate that about him uh, as a performer. Mm-hmm. And the Shield Wyatt match, uh, I'm glad it was as fun as I remembered it being. This is the first time I've watched it back in almost seven years since it first aired. Um, and now it was a blast to watch. Like I, uh... oh yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Like uh, I I I I always kind of like try to stay away from saying this because I know like it can be taken as an insult. Uh, mm-hmm. But what was really really one of the things that was really really cool about that match was was the entire swamp cult, but Brody like in particular or 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 you know whatever uh, Harper uh, ha- seemed to just be loving every second of what they did, uh, mm-hmm. and like that's that um 
like it, it again it always feels slightly insulting to, to say like that was a big takeaway from the performance of just like i could tell you guys are having so much fun but no. it's kind of cool like they were so they were so into it yeah and i and i feel like they almost even i don't know if they went into it with the idea of doing it that way but it felt like they definitely kind of played into it once the crowd played into it that way like they emphasized a bunch of times on commentary to kind of like play off the fact that like the crowd is clearly very split where half the crowd is very much cheering for the shield and half is cheering for the wyatt family they're playing it off like the crowd doesn't really care about this about a moral like some grand moral play here they just want to see like a bunch of badass dudes kick ass and have a kick ass fight and i think that kind of plays into that into it too they kind of lean well, in and, and two I, I two i know it was like it was like there, there was a there was a there was a to that match like no no one no one ended up bleeding by the end mm-hmm. uh but these were all these were three really big dudes that were all just going off on each other um and it 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 presented and, and with two very different aesthetics um and it was cool to just kind of see them all clash together and they clashed hard. Um, mm-hmm. So that added to the entertainment value too. of like one, clearly the swamp cult was just like having a total blast doing what they were doing and everybody great gave this great physical display. Um, and again, I, I don't like, I, I'm trying not to like really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from like saying cliched things like just because this is a tribute show, but I do, mm-hmm. I think I, I am justified in saying that, that Luke Harper was a standout of, of, of a standout performance. It was kind of like I, I noted kind of him, Bray Wyatt, and um um oh what's his Eric face? Rowan um, is the third one. The uh no 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 but uh I was gonna say for the standout for the standout fighters in that whole match uh Luke Harper Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns were kind of the three okay, like yeah, big Roman, standouts yeah. of that um mm-hmm. for physical show off and that was that was a that was really cool watch. Mm-hmm. And and I want to like to touch a little bit on what the story of that match was in a way that I would have appreciated, but maybe not necessarily you, because you this is your first time watching both of their match, but matches for both of these groups is that like a big whole part of the dot of like the shields like mo is that like this like they talk about it so much on commentary the numbers game by (laughs) god but basically the shield no oh god the shield kind of made it look kind of their their like their strategy to be able to like isolate in the like basically the idea was like nobody was a better three-man team than them and they were experts at creating these three on one or three on two advantages for themselves. And this match flips that whole thing on its head where generally speaking, the, the team with the, the malt with the kind of adv- advantageous numbers to avoid using the same damn phrase was the Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. All up until literally where they take out every member of the shield one by one with, with Dean Ambrose brawling with Bray Wyatt into the crowd and just never, and two men entered the crowd. One man came back and then one they, man left. Yep. and then they put Seth Rollins through the announce through the Spanish announce table. So he's out. And then Roman Reigns has to go three on one, three on one. Oh God. And that, and because of that, it was really gratifying to see, to see the swamp cult win too. Like, uh, like that was that, that, that felt like an earned victory. Like you could tell, like they were really toppling, um, toppling a great force. And I think, I think what helps too is, is like, again, they're very different aesthetics is, um, is, you know, the shield looks very polished, very, like very, very well funded in a way they look like a paramilitary organization. Um, whereas, um, 
whereas the swamp cultists looks like normal dudes in a way. Uh, and and that was something I noted about uh, about uh, Luke Harper um, kind of early on is I really really liked that he looked like a normal dude. It was very interesting to see kind of like his evolution from like he's wrestling in a in a dirty wife beater and jeans uh, all the way up to like him as the exalted one wearing suit like full tailored like uh whatever expensive material suits backstage and you know his mm-hmm. like grand cloak and custom made uh custom made like you know in ring mm-hmm. uh it was it, it, it it's kind of this interesting evolution that that again as a continuous character makes it feel like this is someone who's like worked his way up in the world yeah he has a he has kind of an unintentional, obviously, because it's across two. We're seeing this across two different wrestling companies who don't work together. But you gotta have this unintentional, like carrot, like logical character progression and arc for him. Well, it, it even it even it even kind of manifested in WWE as part of the Hammer Bros, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, he he was given a whole like kind of fancy jumpsuit. Um, and, and like whole new aesthetic and it was kind of like cartoony and I wasn't sure like I and like I was kind of like I, I kind of like him better like in the in the in the swamp cult get up because um, it just felt like weirdly cartoony for him like it felt out of place that he was like so dressed up but then it paid off in AEW to have to bring him in as the exalted one and you're like like okay it was it was like a middle evolution it was like you know the the second the second tier Pokemon form uh, <laughs> you know. before he before he ascends to the one, that, the, the, no, the one that no one cares and, about because it's really not off. the you have the middle tier that no one cares about yeah exactly exactly which is appropriate for the hammer bros hey. um, um but like but 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 it's still it but uh, unintentional intentional or not it felt very gratifying to, to kind mm-hmm. of see and and it made it work that he was no longer kind of like just a normal dude mm-hmm. um and i th- i think that um that 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 Luke Harper he was he, even when he even when he was given a lot of non-speaking capacity i think he was able to show a lot of range too when you look across these first the first two matches that we watched and like even mm-hmm. at least to me i think that you look at his match when he had when he fought Randy Orton you know even though he's still kind of doing the very the very same mostly mute like he still looks kind of the same. He's he's added a jacket now, and he still, but he still only ever really talks. Like he he really only ever goes like yeah 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 yeah. Like that was his one line when he was with the Wyatts, um, and but he felt like it felt totally different when from him when he's he's now this kind of the sympathetic harmed good baby face to to randy orton who who tore his family apart compared to like height of their powers heel ass wyatt family yeah um well it, it was really cool too to see to see that he had range um mm-hmm. and that he had longevity um mm-hmm. Like this is a man who was as strong in the earliest match we watched him in as he was in the latter match we watched him in. Uh, mm. uh, ladder with two T's rather than two D's. Uh, <laughs> but I'm. Uh, hey. Oh, that would have been. A, I but, thought but, there was but, a ladder. But, uh, there was actually a ladder match of his that I thought about putting there, and that would have been a really funny pun if I oh. had used it. But I'll I'll save that oh, for hey. the recommended. Uh, the recommended. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, but but um, but it it it's still um. 
Er, and 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 if at the very least as strong, if not stronger, and and uh, a fighter even more in his own. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is the the a uh, big tragedy of his early death is is damn. This is a dude who was really really going places and like who had some well earned respect in where he currently was. And imagine if he had just kept, if he had gotten to keep going uh, and mm-hmm. kind of and kind of build himself up to be like this everlasting legacy character yeah right. like um like at, at, he at, at he, the age of 41 yeah. that's he's still got plenty of years to go you know um may, maybe he he probably what starts winding down in in a few years from from yeah but like it's rest as as i've as i've kind of said it's like it's wrestling and in wrestling you know you can you can as long as as you can still physically move in a ring you can ha- you can extend your career way longer than you can in other sports because it's super easy to hide the fact that you can't physically move the way you used to and so like oh yeah like Brody lee could have kept wrestling in some capacity for quite a long time even at 41 and then and then be, be one of those be one of those that that goes on to then become an announcer even like an executive of some kind like like clearly uh they 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 you know were showing him off as some sort of as, as this this really overpowering on-screen personality and rightfully so. Um, and that could have then translated really, really well to, uh, um, to a post, uh, post ring, uh, side of his career too. So yeah. it's, it's just so sad to see this cut short when like he was really, really, uh, getting to hit his stride and, and become like the grand, uh, per- the grand character he was, he was kind of, uh, he kind of earned being. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so in the uh, trying to think of where where to go from here. Um, I guess you know. Well, I I, I mean I, I wrote down some like other notes too, like like sure. just just some things about like um uh um the so this is this is kind of like a small little thing. Um, mm-hmm. but I I also appreciate too coming from me about his whole eyes thing, like. A lot of times playing off like a cra a character whose whole thing is that like he's crazy, he's wild, he's whatever. Mm-hmm. It can be really, really cringy, uh, mm-hmm. in some form or other. But it never was for him, which I really appreciate. Like the crazy eyes thing never felt like it was forced, never felt like it was just really silly. It felt like it felt natural. So like I appreciate too that that he uh he was a smart enough performer that that his um he was he was funny uh, when he was written to be funny, but then when not, it didn't feel like he was silly. It didn't feel like his shtick was like overwrought or anything, which I really appreciate. I, I would agree with that. You know, you know, wrestling is not known for subtle for its subtleties, but yeah, so yeah. You know, compared to your average wrestling character, I think like the the the, the aspect of his character that is 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 cons- kind of like crazy or psychotic is very is very is is much subtler than I think and and effective and then I would think then you would see might be in an a- in an average performance of a character that is supposed to be crazy of which there are so many in history. <laughs> yeah. And and so it's really cool then that he got to like, kind of uh, evolve past that uh, mm-hmm. and and come into his own uh, instead of just kind of fading into obscurity as just one of the stock crazy dudes that we keep in that we keep in the the back room. We need like a really one a vaguely supernatural heel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's it, I I think I think 
and and and, and watching too, watching that tribute um that that people did of him and, and i and i know like somebody somebody like passed away especially if they pass away young everyone's going to speak really really highly of them right mm-hmm. um but like watching the tribute the dark order made for him uh i could really tell there was this there was this genuine sense especially watching watching the um um the 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 the, the compilation of of clips from from their like comedy series um i and I promise I'm not just saying this because he because like he vaguely looks like him, but he almost kind of felt like the Jim Henson of the Dark Order. This kind of like <laughs> this kind of figure that had such a positive, like uh, such an aggressively positive uh, um, influence on those around him. Those uh, the, the kind of guy who like um, was very deserving of his leadership role um, because mm-hmm. he was just such a such a, a you know positive person to be around. Um, and so I, I think, I think it probably speaks to the fact that he probably was a bit of a standout dude. Uh, if all these, if we have all these super nice things to say about him, um, that, that, that he was, that, that he wasn't just, you know, made another stock, uh, you know, backroom henchman. Mm-hmm. No, he like, it is, it's, it, it can, it can almost feel a little, uh, as someone who is kind of tuned in more to like the wrestling social medias and, and I I've read all of their, all of the, the stories from the wrestlers who most closely associated with Brody and his career, you know, from the dark order to the Wyatts um, that he was very close mm-hmm. with the members of the new day with the people, with the guys in the new day. And like there, there's so like, there's been such an outpouring of like stories, good stories about this guy. Like, like, it is it sucks that he he might he was seemed like one of the most genuinely nice and compassionate dudes in wrestling one of the better family men that you find in in the wrestling industry like mm-hmm. like like it's like every like a consistent thread across like everyone who's ever worked with him is his absolute willingness to like be there for you and and support you in any capacity no matter how important you are on the show. Like, like John Silver of the dark order was talking about hat told a story about like, of like, even before he was like the break, kind of a breakout star of the dark order for for, because of their comedy sketches, you know, when he was kind of just like this jobber character, Brody Lee would still like watch his mm-hmm. matches and give him and give him constructive feedback after, after the matches. And, and John Silver was super appreciative of that and was like, he didn't have to do that for me. He's a, he's like a real kind time star. And I'm just, I'm just like a, not even, I'm just like a, uh, I'm a small timer in comparison. He didn't have to like pull me aside and like work with me to help me get better. But he like, but like they all, everyone talked about how much he cared about the people he was working with, how much he cared about them, like improving and being their best as performers. And it's like, and like, that's, yeah, it was watching, so watching that, read all that. Yeah. And, and watching that tribute, even, even though I'm not as plugged in, I, I really did get a sense of like what a magnanimous personality that was. And you, you being cued in, uh, so, you know, so kind of cued into, to the social media side of wrestling and kind of being able to get a gauge more on how, um, how people are bumping into each other, like backstage, um, Mm -hmm. for you to, for you to have, uh, have that barometer and say like, yeah, this seems like a guy who was genuinely deeply loved by like, by the people around him, the people you work with, uh, 
and it and that this isn't all just um blowing smoke up a dead guy's ass to puff up to puff up his legacy a little bit um mm-hmm. is 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 really is really kind of a heartwarming thing to hear like the like um it, he's he's one of those people that like that that if you were in his position you know you would re- you would want to strive to be the 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 kind mm-hmm. who um who even uh who e- even when he's he's given great position this great opportunity to to really be like a a, a star player in all of this that mm-hmm. he still deeply cared about those around him and um and just see had such a seemingly effortless compassion for uh for his peers uh again speaks very highly of him and i would not be at all surprised if that kind of um really positive personality about him that kind of force for good energy he seemed to have um helped um helped catapult him a little bit and Mm -hmm. and um and keep him and and and, you know keep him in the good graces of of those above him who had power to to put to put him where he where he got put and Mm -hmm. and for them to say like um this is a good guy and he deserves more like again i don't know i don't know what like Mm -hmm. what goes on in the writing room um, right. But I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of like, if, if if his if his goodness was like, you know, spread far and wide enough, it was infectious enough. They were like, yeah, we wanna we wanna give this guy more. Especially, I would especially not be surprised if that's why AEW kind of like brought him into the fold as hard as they did, because uh, AEW seems to really respect, uh, really be built on a a a world of of mm-hmm. of you know respect and and um uh non i i don't even know like like non like i i don't know the term i'm looking for but but but, but you know what i mean mm-hmm. they seem they seem to be built on a certain integrity right um, yeah they they definitely had they definitely had a very high level of respect for brody that's that's extremely obvious in like how much they and how much he was able to do in such a short time with AEW yeah and 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 yeah so so it's it it is kind of like Damn, it sucks that he that he's gone when he did. But I will say, like, it is really good to see like what he was given in his time because what mm-hmm. he was given was really good. And and I I, I do want to speak a little more too to just what a talented athlete this guy was. Like through all the matches we watched him in, like they were long matches. Uh, aside from like the first the first one he did with uh the first one he did with Cody that they just used an excuse to get Cody off the show for a few weeks so he could film something. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, he, uh, these were long matches, uh, and, and obviously the, the dog collar match, especially brutal, like, like those were two, um, two gifted men who still had to go really hard to bring out the sheer savage brutality of what that match was supposed to entail. And the fact that he hung on the way he did in all of those matches and somehow did not seem to tire at least as much as, at least not as much as a lot of his colleagues tend to after a long period of time Mm -hmm. um i think spoke to spoke to i'm sure um how how um how seriously he took his position not only as a performer but as an athlete uh this would this is a dude who's clearly like naturally big but you can be naturally big and still be you know be out of shape and and not be able to but no this guy this guy hung uh in all of the matches, despite how hard he was getting beaten up on, especially in the Orton match and especially in the dog collar match, mm-hmm. um, what this dude had to offer was clearly, clearly a little bit unique to uh, to to uh, to to these companies, at least in terms of like 
in terms of stamina. Yeah, like he, he is absolutely in turn one of as I've said, as I think that in terms of his uh, endurance and his and his agility in it's it's rare to see that in a man his size in a wrestler his size. You know, most most wrestlers his size are a lot more lumbering and a lot more like uh, immovable object kind of wrestlers. A-, a la an Andre. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 been, I've been trying. I've been trying to come up with a way to. I've been trying to come up with a way to like kind of express this. And I think the the thing I the thing I think the term I've settled on is he's deceptively large. Like if you look at him for 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 a little bit, like really look at him, you realize, oh man, this is a big dude. But you see him move around, and if you're not really focusing on like his stature alone, he doesn't feel all that big. Um, mm-hmm. partially because he's uh. The, the he's got kind of like a slimmer uh, a slimmer uh build but partially because he's really agile um and he doesn't kind of move with the same like lumbering slowness that a lot of like bigger dudes in in this world do he there's a certain uh there's a certain uh uh uh, spry to his step um that really that that doesn't make him feel like man yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, he almost is, you know, if you, if we want to kind of analyze like the in's character aspect of it, all makes him all the more terrifying <laughs> that like he, that he's not, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that he, that, that, oh, he's that big. Also. Yeah. He's fast enough to keep up with you. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like I said, this is, this is a dude whose bad side you do not want to get on. Mm-hmm. And and it made you really feel for the types of people who did get on his bad side, especially Cody, um, because because like that was a like like you would kind of see it in the Orton match, like you know the the, the storyline was that was that this is the dude who who betrayed the Wyatt family, who blah blah blah, and this is like this is uh, uh Harper getting his grand revenge or whatever, and like I, but that didn't get played up as much like in ring as it did by the announcers, like mm-hmm. like it just seemed like he was going in uh with the same like with the same kind of intensity that he did for the shield match of just, I'm a crazy dude. Uh, you, yeah, you did me a little wrong, but even if you didn't, I'm a fuck you up anyway. But yeah. with the Cody match, uh, with that whole storyline, there was a desperation there. That dude was going hard. Um, and, and it did add to the fear factor of, of Cody's kind of the slimmer, uh, the slimmer, quicker dude. At least he looks like it, but, oh, but, oh no, Old Brody, the exalted one, is 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 keeping up with you at every step. Like the this match did not um that that was it that was evenly matched all the way through. He was not overpowered until the very end. He 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 had his whole face covered in chains. Um, but that did uh, but he still broke out of it and still was quick enough and strong enough to to come back and still get a few good punches in on Cody before he eventually had to fall. Like mm-hmm. like. Like that does add to the fear factor and very effectively. So, Oh yeah. And that, and that was kind of like Brody's presentation in AEW all the way is like how much of an almost unstoppable this guy is, or he's not technically unstoppable, but like you got to bring your a game and then some to beat him. Like his match with John Moxley. They don't don't play it up that he's unstoppable. It's, it is, it is kind of, it is, it is kind of more, I think more, I guess a little more of a subtle beat, but like you look at when he, when he wrestled, uh, John Moxley, which is his only other loss. Um, John Moxley had like put him through like the stage uh, set. Like they did a whole, they did a whole bit where John Moxley DDTs him through the stage. 
and Brody still kicked out of that. Like Moxley had to like start creating new moves for himself to do to be able to put Brody away. And all he did was he made Brody pass out. He didn't tap him out. He didn't pin him. <laughs> he had to pa- make him pass out to win. And this is your well, that's world kind of champion. What Cody had to do too. Very, it's, it was very similar because he kind of had to choke him out with the chains, and before he could do his 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 signature move to incapacitate him enough to to pin him. Yeah, which which uh, uh again speaks to not only how good the writing on him was, especially in AEW, but what a s- strong motherfucker IRL this was. Like like you don't get slammed through the stage, even if the stage is rigged. I. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You don't get DDT'd through the stage uh, and, and find ease to kick out of, 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 a, of a pinfall, even it's, if it's not meant to be the pinfall that, that gets you. Yeah, uh, that, that's uh, got to that be a pain in the ass. That takes a certain that, level of strength, but of course mm-hmm. you have. That's definitely a, that definitely had to have hurt, even if it's obviously they rigged the sta- those stage in a spot to be able to do it. That has to hurt like hell <laughs> to have to do. And, 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 and clearly this is a dude who um, who through even in his WWE career was made to take a lot. Um, and the what's really impressive about that is is that didn't seem to take. And and again, who who knows? Had he had he lived longer? Had he uh you know really um uh really been put a little more through the ringer or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. but it didn't seem like at least on at least this early on it wasn't like especially physically screwing him up. Like it probably would. Um, mm-hmm. if uh, some of his contemporaries, if they had to take some of the beatings that Brody Lee had been made to take, mm-hmm. like no, dude, dude was uh, you know, even if he's having these hard matches, dude was in the physical shape of his best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, speaks super well to his work ethic. Um, mm-hmm. and then speaks even more to his character that he still found the time and energy to be there for his peers. Like, like he was, he was in all the best ways, kind of a freak of nature um, Mm -hmm. who could have just coasted on, on, on his, you know, on his whatever and not really given a shit about anything else because he didn't have to, he was too much of a star to, but he didn't, he, he genuinely seemed to care about the people around him um, and genuinely exuded this, this kind of special je ne sais quoi that helped him stand out, not only as a, performer not only as an athlete but as a person mm-hmm. um and and that is that kind of makes it uh this really this really kind of beautiful image of a person who um man could have had so much more ahead of him so mm-hmm. could have gone on to to even bigger even better things yeah and um, uh, uh um, it's it's it's, it, it's kind of it is kind of that cliche of like uh, oh, damn all the best ones are gone too soon you know yeah i agree um I haven't had a natural a chance to kind of bring bring this part up to it, but I think that you know it, it'd be a little it, it it's it's a little cheap to be that to say that like AEW um kind of allowed him to show off his truest range as a performer, but I feel like that's definitely true when it comes to his comedic chops, because holy oh my god was he so fucking funny uh, on 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 well, AEW's cause, cause the thing, YouTube the thing is too. Because the thing, well, the thing is, like, like his his comedy style was clearly, you know, screaming and throwing things at people slash hitting people with things. Um, mm-hmm. and that's one of those shticks that, like, 
can get really old really quickly, but like it seemed like it was fresh all the way through. Like he found ways to divvy it up. I don't know like who was writing those skits. If like they kind of like ad lib things, if like the Dark Order themselves were writing for them, or like if they had other external it, writers for them. Uh, but I, it felt like my, it felt like this organic uh, comedy style. Yeah, it's it's my kind of understanding that that's mostly because it's just a goofy YouTube show that technically doesn't mean anything to any to anything. That it's kind of like self written by everybody involved. Like you kind of write your own shit. Like that's my understanding of it, and and I, I love that. I love that because then it it then speaks to these are guys who came up with some honestly pretty creative visual gags, um, mm. and 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 it had this great combination of of the humor of of a bunch of like dudes hanging around being drunk and just laughing their asses off at dumb shit, um, while also still being kind of this this polished gag machine of a show, um, um. And and if that was there, if that was like directly represented their sense of humor, I think that uh, mm. that's another great, um, another great kind of buckle on on Brody's belt. Yeah, I, and like I don't think it can be emphasized enough how much how much you know being the elite kind of revitalized the Dark Order in terms of fan perception. I think you could definitely argue that like the story leading up to Brody uh, coming into the group. Um, definitely made them feel more like a threat and like interesting heel characters on TV. But in terms of like the fan base kind of buying, making the Dark Order into almost fan favorite characters, being the elite was where that happened. Because every week they're just coming up with these, they're they're cre- they're cranking out memes by the week. You know, you got like him throwing the papers, forty thousand fucking emails. Uh, <laughs> John Silver calling John Silver a fucking idiot. You know, him, you, you're gonna cry, you little bitch. Are you crying? Are you, crying? you crying? You little <laughs> bitch. You know, <laughs> I love, I love to uh, him, him on the call with Evil Uno of like, of hey, do me a favor, get, yeah. get, get a. Get 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 a stack of paper and then and then and then and, and, and take it and then hit yourself over the head with it and then it comes back to Evil Uno and he just like he he magically has like, a, a, a crumple of papers on his hand and he's like, well shit, boom. He does the like the he does like a little scream every oh, time he gets hit with the papers. Yeah, a little Wilhelm scream. Oh my god. Now he- and, and the the best one when he opens up his jacket and he's got two of them and everyone's like, he's packing heat. <laughs> Like they're like terrified of, of it, and he's and he's and he's just got like two rolls of paper in his jacket. <laughs> it was so good. No, I also like, really, I also stuff that I'm like, that I'm like, damn, that's so that's so legitimately funny. No, I also love the like the, the when they when Evil Luno puts on the Jaguars football helmet and he doesn't and he gets hit with the paper and he's like, hi, it worked, <laughs> and then and then. <laughs> and, then he takes, and then he takes the helmet off to talk about like, oh, I heard about concussion protocol, and, and then and then Brody just hits him with the papers after he takes the helmet off. <laughs> oh my god! Or like, uh, I mean, Brody wasn't like obviously directly involved in this one, but but like John Silver being on whoever's shoulders and like this, this, yeah, yeah was, wearing Brody's coat, like yeah, he was on his tag team shoulders. He's like. <sighs> 
Where's the paper? He's doing the, he the impression, and then Brody walks in and sees it, and he's like, and he like first looks up at Silver, and then he tells Randall's like, "No, put him down. I'm not looking up at him. Put him the fuck down, so he can yell at Silver about it." <laughs> oh my god! Again, not not only effortless, effortless athletically, effortlessly nice. But effortless. This dude was somebody who exuded charisma, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it made it made it so much fun to like watch those skits because like you could tell, uh, like you could tell everybody was having fun. You could tell that like Brody just like had command of that space no, uh, that... Of, of performers, just just jerking them around however the hell he wanted, uh, because everyone had so much respect for him and was like, yeah, you want to hit me with you want to hit me with papers to like make people laugh and scream at me and slap me and call me a bitch? Absolutely, please, by all means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you got the like, and like as he said, like Brody was pr- would pretty much just like scream his way through breaking care breaking every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and then uh, honest, honestly, my favorite one, and I might have to explain a little bit, like the Sue thing, because okay, Sue is Trent is Trent's mom of the dark of like the best friends. And like, so they, they added this little stick for him every once in a while, like Trent's mom would roll, would bring them to the arena in a minivan to kind of add to the, like the best friends, like a wholesome stick. And so then for the internet show, they film a bit where Sue joins the dark order. And so she is a guest, like a reoccurring guest character in the dark order. And so, and, but, they, but whenever the Dark Order happens, they, like, refuse to let let her know. Like, they're always like, oh, hi, hi, Sue. Like, they're all, like, super kind and nice to each other and polite whenever Sue's around. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so they have the, the bit with Sue where she brings the food and then Brody throws it on the ground because he's still yelling at Silver. And then Sue comes back and is like, what's hat? What's going on? And then Brody just immediately goes, Sue, this motherfucker doesn't like your food. <laughs> and so she throws the paper <laughs> Silver, but she misses the first time. And that's what gets Brody to crack <laughs> on camera. It was when she missed the papers. <laughs> that's the one time Brody, bro- or Brody broke. Is is when Sue fucked up the paper throw. And then they, oh, I oh my I god, that's so funny. And I forgot they didn't show it, but like they she she gets to redo it and she throws the papers on silver and this time it hits. But at first he doesn't really react to it, and then and then Brody just immediately goes, "You better you better go the fuck down for Sue. You better sell for Sue." <laughs> and he just starts screams at Silver <laughs> until he falls down on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Why is that so funny? That like like that that whole dark order thing has absolutely no right to be as deeply entertaining as it is, but here we are. Absolutely. Like like so much of it is just like the humor is just like Brody swearing up a storm and yelling at these idiots for acting like idiots and it's so funny. <laughs> Oh my god, dude, that's so good. I fucking love that. No. Oh man. It 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 really is. Like like again, as sad as it is that he's gone mm-hmm. so early, it is nice that like he has this extensive a catalog to look back on. 
Absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of, there is so much to this catalog that we didn't even really touch because I had to cut this down to like two hours of content so of, to watch. So I had yeah. to cut some things out. And so I kind of want to go into some of the kind of some of the stuff like for the viewers at home, if they would want to hear see some more of like Brody mm -hmm. Lee's best stuff, what are some examples of some good stuff yeah. they could watch of his? On on, on top of the on top of the, the, the Dark Order comedy sketches, please God, I'm begging all of you go watch yes, those. Definitely. Uh there if you type in like dark order bte compilations there's like five of them now and like go watch them it has all their skits not just brody stuff but the stuff that like silver and reynolds do when they're trying to recruit people into the dark order and like all the skits that all of them have done are are incredible are, are incredible and worth watching <clears throat> oh god mm -hmm. But yeah, so some other stuff to work is, is indie work. Um, I had to do a little bit of research into this myself as best I could, but, um, and it's not very, and I'm just, I'm just not very familiar with this indie work to be able to confidently talk about it. But you, you want to look at, uh, Brody Lee's work in CZW, uh, that's combat zone wrestling. It's basically a death match promotion. So if you're a little queasy about blood, probably don't watch this, but him and John Moxley, <laughs> but him and John Moxley, <laughs> in czw are uh classics um you look at uh chikara which is a uh just kind of a i don't even know if i could explain chikara but basically his work with claudio costagnoli or uh eddie kingston in chikara is worth looking into uh he had a run he's had a run in ring of honor with pretty much every major person um you go into WW, look at WWE, uh, some recommendations off the top of my head. You have um, the Wyatt Family versus the Usos, two out of three falls at Money in the Bank 2013 for the Tag Team Championships. Um, if, I, if the Shield match didn't happen, that's the one I would have picked to talk about the Wyatt Family Tag Team kind of era of his career because that match mm -hmm. was, a, was an incredible show stealer of a match. Um, then, you know, singles matches, uh, Luke Harper versus John Cena on Monday Night Raw, either in 2014 versus 2015, was a heck of a match. Um, the latter match Ooh. that I was going to put on here, and then I decided we should use something with the Bludgeon Brothers, so I didn't use it, was um, mm -hmm. Brody, Brody, uh, Luke Harper versus Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship at TLC 2015 in a ladder match. And that match stands out to me is like, <clears throat> by this point in time, the ladder match has almost become kind of like a, a conduit for like flippy athletics. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because Brody, uh, Luke Harper versus Dolph Ziggler is the most brutal ladder match I've seen in a long time. And that, and I remember being like viscerally shocked by how violent this ladder match is because it just is, hmm. is it's violent in a way that ladder matches haven't been in a long time. Definitely worth checking that out. Um, he, uh, Luke Harper versus Dean Ambrose. Um, Dean Ambrose, the four is the John Moxley when he was in WWE. Uh, but him and him and Harper had a extreme rules, uh, street fight at extreme rules, 2015, a good, a good kind of WWE violent TVPG violent, match but still very good match absolutely uh, they do this very fun thing where like the idea of a street fight is that even if it has to end in the ring it can go anywhere so literally they film the match to where they leave the building and they like brawl out in the streets 
before they come back to the arena huh? to finish the match. It was really, it was really kind of a fun little thing they did there. And then, oh, that uh, was. Yo, yeah, uh, Luke Harper, and when he's with the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, we had the rest of the WrestleMania match with Usos and and New Day was a pretty quick one. But they also, uh, them and the New Day had two great matches. Um, their tag team against with against each other at SummerSlam 2018, and then their match on SmackDown where the New Day won the tag team titles back. If, if you really just look up uh, Bludgeon Brothers versus New Day, that's that it'll come up. And those are both really great matches in their own right. I picked the one at WrestleMania because that's the one where they won the titles. So I was like, I'm going with that one. I don't want to watch them lose. I, I, will, say, I, will, I will say we, 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 we didn't, we didn't touch on it much, but that, that WrestleMania match was a ton of fun. Watch like it was so fucking colorful and it was so much fun to see Brody just like go ham or I guess Luke go ham, uh, oh, yeah. just off the bat, just like yeeting everybody. Yeah. Uh, we didn't touch on it much. Cause like, there's not like a whole lot to say about it. The, the focus a lot more was on, uh, was on like the one team. Um, but damn, if it wasn't cool to see to see Luke Harper just wreck shit from the get go, and this it, with everybody just looking real colorful. <laughs> no, nah, it, it was kind of like a five. It was a quick five minute match that was just a lot of fun from the start. So definitely, if you're looking mm-hmm. for something quick to watch, definitely go. Yeah. And oh my god, it's it, it's just delightfully whimsical. Like they're fucking chucking pancakes into the audience. One of them plays the goddamn Dragon Zord theme on the on the on the trombone for those of you who are Power Rangers fans. Oh it yeah. Was, it was it was so much fun. And 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 Luke Harper just comes in and fucks everybody up. And it's, it's like nah, he ain't having he, he ain't having the, none of this silly shit except for the except for the plastic mallet. But ever all the other silly shit. There, the giant goddamn hammer. Yeah, which they never use as weapons, or like they'll do it, but then they'll use yeah. they'll do that really boring thing where they use the hilt of it, so it doesn't actually hurt anybody. <laughs> like they don't like go at it hammer. They don't swing a hammer like you would swing a hammer to hurt somebody with it. Boo. Yeah, and then in uh, AEW, um, I think you could look at I th- oh, on a- because his AEW run was so short. There's not a whole lot to uh i would or i would argue that you that you uh that we didn't get to there but i will say he does have a pretty solid match with dustin rhodes for the tnt title oh i forgot uh duh obviously the big one is um his aew world title match with john moxley that we kind of touched on we were talking about like his mm-hmm. his, his his booking is as, as a as a guy you got to do you got to bring your a game to beat that was a phenomenal match, and if it wasn't, it was. But the and the only reason I didn't pick it is because it's da- it's goddamn long, and so I kind of was like, well, I can include the Moxley World Title match, or I can include the Dog Collar match, and I was like, I'll go with the Dog Collar match. Yeah, I will say it is is it is kind of cool though that that um that mm-hmm. one of his big ones in his short time with AEW was with a guy who he fought with all the way back in the indie scene. Oh, oh yeah, he has, nice. he has a long history with John Moxley. <clears throat> and then uh, he had a singles match for the TNT title with Orange Cassidy. And definitely, if I thought I had more time to do it, I might have thrown that in there just so we could have an excuse to talk about Orange Cassidy. <laughs> because it is, it, I mean, it is actually legitimately kind of hilarious contrast of styles when you have like Brody Lee is this hard hitting, no nonsense kind of in ring. And in comparison, you have orange Cassidy, who's nothing but nonsense with the, who's as the, as the lazy, 
as the laziest wrestler alive. <laughs> that sounds so good. I gotta look that up because I'm dying to see some Orange Cassidy and pairing him up against Brody fucking Lee sounds hysterical. It it was it was it was a fantastic pairing. But yeah, I think that all those kind of matches, I was I would say that like definitely look at if you're kind of looking for some more Brody Lee, Luke Harper kind of content, um definitely do that. And you know, of uh, we've I've we're I think we're kind of in the wrap up here of our uh, of our tribute episode to uh to uh um uh John Harper aka uh, Luke Harper. John, John Huber, John Harper, John Huber, AKA Luke Harper, AKA Brody Lee. Um, it's definitely a, a sad, it's definitely a tragedy to have to lose him so early, but he may, like when he was, when he, the career he did have was act was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Rest in power. The, the world needs more people like this man. Uh, mm-hmm. if he, if he was, if he was, uh, the, 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 not only, clearly dedicated performer he was not only the 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 clearly um genuinely uh invested uh kind of worker he was um but uh, more than anything else of course the clearly um magnanimous delightful sweet guy that he was um the world needs more 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 brody lees definitely um so at the very least hopefully kind of hopefully um his his death um tragic tragic as it may be hopefully at the very least maybe maybe it can help rise his star a little bit posthumously and mm. hopefully set a good example for some people who seem who are who are who find themselves taken with his uh his his stylings both in and out of ring yep uh yeah and in about an hour i hate again i hate to always reference when we actually record these but in about an hour aw is going to air their tribute show for uh Brody lee and hey, man i'm not ready <laughs> Oh God! I I'm glad I'm going to be in rehearsal during that because I don't feel like crying tonight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So next week are uh, the first show that we will record in 2021. This is a little weird because we record this is our last show recording in 2020, but we will. But I will not release this until Ooh. 2021. So that's funny and weird. But yes, next week we will get to. Oh man! But next week we will get to. The um, they go back to ninety seven. We will watch the cure for the common show. <clears throat> Get a little more little attitude the, on this uh, podcast. Death of, uh, God, okay this 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 uh, this week we talked about the very sad con- the the very sad topic of the death of Brody Lee. Next time we talk about the much more fun concept of the death of kayfabe. <laughs> uh, a, a, a much uh, a death I a, de- a death I feel I feel much. Uh, um, much less morose about mm-hmm. about uh, discussing. Absolutely. All right. So uh, I think it's time for the plugs. All right. Uh, um, as always, uh, first of all, thank you for thank you for listening, especially this week. Uh, this is a show that um that means a lot to uh, this was a guy that meant a lot to his fans. Um, and so thank you for kind of joining us on uh on our attempt to to pay proper tribute to him. Uh, thank you for listening in general. Uh, if you want to, if you want to hear more of us, our podcast can be found on uh, YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Or you can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, if you if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at at Noobs and Knocks Pod. Um, 
that's noobs n not pod because twitter's annoying about how long your handles can be boo. Um, uh if you want to if you want to reach out to the show I, I know i know boo if you want to reach out to the show directly give us some feedback let us know uh see in the future uh shoot us an email at uh noobs and knocks pod at gmail.com um and yeah we look forward to uh, we, we look forward to our to our uh to all of you joining us for the next show thank you again and uh we'll see you next time yeah see you and uh, and one final time, rest in power, Brody Lee.